Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, everybody. It's game day, and we're off to an early start here with Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. With you until 9 o'clock, the phone lines are open, 217-356-9397. Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate in the co-pilot seat. How you doing? I'm doing good. Better than you. <laughs> Thanks. That's, a, that's the way I needed to start You're my fine. Day. You're fine. We had, you just had a couple days off this week. That's it's been all. an interesting week. That's uh, That is for sure in uh, several ways. Big day in basketball today. Number I'll say. 18 Illinois at Indiana at 11 o'clock. The Illini a point-and-a-half underdog in that ballgame. Northwestern is at Nebraska at noon. Michigan at number four, Purdue at 1.30. Michigan State at Rutgers at three. Penn State at Wisconsin at five. So there's your day. Yeah, and some other big games around the country. There's, I mean, you got Baylor against Kansas. That's a good one, isn't it? Duke <laughs> yeah. against North Carolina. That's a rivalry. Arizona against USC. That's a huge one. Arizona's number seven. And Kentucky against Alabama. Alabama can't stay with them, can they? I don't think so. Alabama's really up and down. They've played some stinker games, and they've played some really good games. So we'll see how that goes today. But a lot going on. Did you watch the Bulls Pacers last night? Some of it. Not all of it, but I did see some of it. God darn it, I got started back on Ozark again. That's good stuff. (laughs) I watched it the weekend it came out. We watched it the whole weekend. Yeah. Well, they had seven of them, and now they're going to put seven more out, huh? They are. Sometime soon. But anyway, the Bulls beat the Pacers 122-115. to 115. Io Dusumu, 15 points, 14 assists. And yeah, double-double. And a game-breaker slam dunk down the stretch. Saw the slam dunk, yeah. He, he cleared out. Looked like the old days, didn't Yeah, it? he did. And he went down to He's slam. gaining a lot of confidence playing as much as he is, and... It's just great to see. He really is. Played 37 minutes in that game last night. The Bulls are now 33-19. and 19. But I think they're going through a, what is it, five games in six or seven days? I mean, they're just playing day after day. And um, Scott Beatty's going to go see him play Sunday. Yeah. He's going to be up there. They played in Toronto Thursday night and then in Indianapolis Friday night. That's tough. I mean, all that travel and then just... I mean, how much practice do you get in, Steve? None. How much preparation? Well, at that point, they played 33 and 19, so they played close to 50 games. And, yeah. And they, uh, they probably don't need a whole lot of practice. What's going on with the, new, uh, with the Brooklyn Nets? I don't know. Seven-game losing streak. It's kind of, of course, they've had Durant out. They've, well, don't get me into the NBA. I don't know enough about it to talk about it, really. I just can't follow it that much. I know enough to talk about the Bulls and... I'm following them closer than I normally do just because of I.O. And Malcolm sure. Hill got in the ball game. He yeah. had five points and played 18 minutes. That's great. So the Bulls are finding out that uh, I.O. is Mr. Clutch or certainly yeah. a Mr. Clutch option coming down the stretch. And it's uh, starting to look like the Bulls got a first-round draft pick with a second-round yeah. you know, second number no 38 selection. They're going to the All-Star game, Steve, and he's going to be one of the 10 yeah. freshmen that's going to be uh, – Playing the, the ten top freshman uh, rookies, that is. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> We've got the phone lines open. What are your thoughts about the uh, ball game today? Illinois at Indiana, big ball game. Indiana's been off for almost a week, so 
they'll be fired up and ready to go. Both teams are 16 and 5 on the regular season. The Illini in first place at 9 and 2 in the Big Ten. The Hoosiers a couple of games back at 7 and 4. Do they have enough to uh, put the clamps on or at least slow down Kofi Coburn? There's one of the questions. Well, they're going to, you know, they're going to run people at him. I mean, he, after he scored 37, against Wisconsin, you just can't uh, expect uh, Jackson. For one thing, if you put Jackson Davis on him, you run the risk of him getting in foul trouble. So they're going to double him a lot. And they're getting a surprisingly good play out of Race Thompson, who's, by the way, averaging 11.5 points a game and 7.5 rebounds. So Thompson's kind of – he's 6'8". He's a junior. By the way, all the, they don't have any uh, seniors – uh, the seniors are all juniors now because they've had that free year. Right. And uh, Jackson Davis, I'm sure, will be in the NBA after this year. He's one of the top players in the country. And I just, uh, you know, at at six nine, I don't know how you use him against Kofi uh, because it's such a big risk. So I, I just, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, Miller Kopp, uh, transfer from Northwestern, hasn't been that much of a factor for them. He's only averaging six points a game for for Indiana this year. Uh, I just, I'm not sure. I'm sure they're going to double him, and uh, we just need to prevent anybody like Fennessey going off for 20 points like he did against Purdue, which they beat Purdue, by the way. Yeah, that seems to be the outlier, though, on oh, it his, is. Uh, it is. his season thus far. Sure. Next yeah. game he had one point or one basket That's or something. That's right. That's <laughs> right. The next game he was just, he reverted. Yep. So it'll be fun to watch, and certainly early start kind of gets uh, things underway this afternoon. Illinois, or rather this morning, it's 11 o'clock. Illinois, as close to full strength as we've seen them in a while, as far as we know at this point, with Corbello getting some minutes the other night, he's likely to get more today. Yeah, I I just I wonder about that. I think they're probably using, and and his his uh, his the use of Curbelo in the last ten minutes was interesting in that they felt like they just need to go with the starting lineup, and I wonder uh, what will be the case today. Uh, how he, whether he plays late might be dependent on how, how well he plays early. Sure, and how the game is flowing He's, at that point. He seems to yeah he he you know the great game he had against Purdue. Uh, followed that with a really bad game, and then of course he became ill after that. So, he, uh, I I don't know what to expect out of Cabello at this point. I just don't. If you're longing for some football to watch on this basically non-football weekend, you can watch Kirby Joseph fighting a line defensive back playing in the Reese's Senior Bowl, one thirty on the NFL Network. He is playing for the uh, team national. He'll be wearing number thirty-six. So he's a highly touted uh, guy with the NFL draft coming up in a month or so, and it looks like he's got a pretty good future. He's done pretty well so far. Well, he's going to be drafted pretty high, and, and uh, he had a tremendous year. He just had a knack for being in the right place at the right time this year. Made a lot of key plays for Illinois for a defensive back to do the things he did right from the very first game. You remember when he uh, – was, uh, uh, was it against Nebraska? Uh, he went down and, and and caused a safety, and it just from that point on, he had interceptions, he had defensive plays. He he really had a great season. Some other uh, action last night: wrestling, Big Ten wrestling. A tough start for the Illini Grapplers. Uh, they're still looking for their first uh, Big Ten win. Minnesota in town here to knock off the Illini, twenty-two to twelve, and they're scheduled to uh, wrestle Indiana tomorrow at one o'clock at the State Farm Center. Women's basketball team has been off for a bit, but they'll play, we hope, at Wisconsin tomorrow 
at uh, 12 noon. No, that's not right. Yes, at Wisconsin Sunday at 1 o'clock is the time for that. Our guests line up on this uh, shortened edition of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We're here until 9 o'clock before Illini game day. We have uh, Jeff Robjans, uh, <laughs> Rab Johns. <laughs> Rob Jans. <laughs> there okay. you go. I wonder if he's been called that before. I bet he has, probably. <laughs> Jeff uh, Rab Johns will join us to talk more about uh, the Indiana Hoosiers in just a moment. And Joe Henriksen up in Chicago to talk some Illinois high school basketball. On Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk on DWS, we're back with more after this. Stay with us. It is 11 minutes after 8 o'clock. This is... Illini Pella, Saturday Sports Talk. Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly with you until 9 this morning. Then it's Illini game day ahead of the 11 o'clock game over at Assembly Hall in Bloomington, Indiana. The Fighting Illini and the Indiana Hoosiers. I like to always ask about your feeling. Hey, what's your gut feeling this morning? My gut feeling is that as, as long as they can keep uh, Kofi in the ball game, uh, as long as he, he doesn't get in foul trouble, I think Illinois has got a great chance. I I agree with uh, Richie, who picked Illinois to win the game. I think Illinois is better. I don't think that the guard play for uh, Indiana is anything special, although Xavier Johnson had nine assists against uh, Maryland in the last game, which means he's distributing the ball particularly well. But sometimes you can, if you can get the ball into your big man, if, if, that, if all you have, you know, if you can pass from the perimeter into the post and the post guy can score, you're going to get a lot of assists. Now, that's a different kind of assist than a playmaking kind of assist where you're uh, pick and roll and that sort of thing. But uh, they, in the last, they, they've, uh, Indiana's won six of their last eight games. They've won four of the last five. Uh, they beat Nebraska. They had the great game against Purdue when Tennessee had 17 points in the first half. Just came out of the blue. Didn't score in the second half at all until the final shot. And by the way, he had a three-point shot and missed it. They got the ball back. He shot it again and made it, and they won that game. Uh, it was a tie game at the time. And then they lost to Michigan, came back and beat Penn State, and then their last win over Maryland, uh, 68-55, with J- Thompson, Race Thompson, who's kind of come out of – He's he's a tough guy. He's he's strong, and he's uh, he's six eight. He's he's just an inch shorter than Jackson Davis. He had eighteen points and twelve rebounds. So all along, uh, while I mentioned some other people's name, Jackson Davis just scores consistently. He's in the high teens practically every game, and uh, he's the number five scorer in the conference. I'm going to give you the top five. Murray is uh, of Iowa is twenty two point three. Uh, Kofi's next 22.1. Johnny Davis is third, 21.4. Then you have E.J. Liddell and then Trace Jackson. I would say that those five guys, Murray, Kofi, Davis, Liddell, and Jackson Davis, might be your all-star team. Be might hard be to, your five-man all-star be team. be hard to pick against that. I mean, you it, can make a case for some other guys. Sure. Certainly. I mean, you hate to pick guys just because of their scoring average. Uh, we tend to do that too much. But how are you going to argue with Murray and Davis? How are you going to argue uh, E.J. Liddell? You certainly can't argue about Kofi. And then Jackson Davis, who Illini will face today, he's the other guy. How do you – let's go back to Wisconsin game and the way they defended or tried to defend Kofi. 37 points. Kofi looked like a man on a mission that night. Yeah, you know, he he is so much stronger than the Wisconsin players – even Wall's a good, nice, nice center for them, but he's not. He had nowhere near the strength and power 
that Kofi does, and Kroll doesn't either, and neither uh, Vogue is the third guy. They, they've got three guys that are tall enough, but they just aren't strong enough. So when Kofi gets the ball, even when they brought another guy in, he seemed to just score through them. I mean, he scored in re- regardless of the amount of uh, effort that they made to try to prevent him. I, you, if you're going to stop Kofi, the thing you have to do, you have to stop him from getting the ball somehow. But uh, those late... Uh, doubles that they tried on him, and they did send they did some people uh, send some people at him from time to time, but they were determined not to let Plummer get started. Exactly. They were determined not to let Fraser get started. And I want to talk to you about three point shots if we have time yeah. here, yeah, uh, because three point shooting recently, Steve, has not been very good. The last eight games, and this goes all the way back uh, to the. Uh, the uh, the first uh, the win over Maryland, uh, and we also had a loss to Maryland, of course. In there, we played Maryland twice, but uh, the last eight games, Illinois is shooting thirty one percent from the on three point shots, and nobody is what I would call hot. Grandison in that period is fourteen for forty five, Plummer twenty one for sixty, Fraser nineteen for sixty two, and Williams five for eighteen. And, in, and, of course, uh, Coleman Hawkins has shot nine times and made one. So, we, and, and the interesting thing is, about that is that the previous four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, the previous nine games, they shot 44%. Illinois was, a, was a, among the national leaders all the way up to almost the start of this month, January, the start of January. And then they just they've fallen off, and they just haven't had a good shooting game from the three points. They haven't been over the the best game they had was against Purdue, by the way, a game they lost. They shot thirty six percent. That's a reflection on scouting reports and what yeah, teams are trying to do. I, I I agree with you. They make they're making it a lot harder for Grandison to get a shot, although he did get some good ones against he, Wisconsin. He made three, yeah. Uh, and of course they're they're just all over Plummer. And Frazier has been a little erratic lately, although he plays really well. He's, a, he's an awfully good player, which, by the way, uh, I got this comment, and I want to hear your reaction to it, that among the play, uh, small guards, we're going to consider him a, roughly six feet or 6'1", yeah. 5'11", in, in that range, is he the best small guard at Illinois since – D. Brown. Yes. My answer was yes also. Now, before D, who was the best small guard in Illinois history? Tony Weisinger. Okay. He's in the conversation. I don't know if he's the best in history. Well, Um, okay. He was good. Your history goes back further than mine, for one thing. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm going to throw Sunderlees at you. Okay. So I, I had no idea what... Well, size he was. Well, he's six feet. He okay. was he, he was barely six feet. Okay. But he was your uh, roommate, right? Yeah, he yep. was my roommate for one semester. Mm-hmm. Uh, he kick you out then? At that point? <laughs> well, no, they they, uh, they switch at, they switch roommates after at the fraternity. We switch roommates after, and I switch roommates. I got married. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> when I was in school, so uh, you know, I switched roommates with with uh, with was fun, and and uh, I. I learned I learned several things from him, but um, let me just tell you, he was on two Final Four teams. He was the MVP of the Big Ten, and he was a, up to the All Star game of his rookie year. 
in the NBA. He was a top rookie in in the NBA, top first-year player for the first half season. I don't know what happened in the second half season. He he wasn't that highly regarded, but he had a great start in the NBA. And uh, you would have to consider, I know it was a different era, but... He well, was, I think he just made your case. He was literally unstoppable. Yeah. He was really good. And they lost to Kentucky by two points on a shot by that didn't go in by Sunderledge at the very end of the game. They were two down. The reason they lost the game to Kentucky was very obvious. They, they had Johnny Kerr sitting on the bench ineligible because they decided not to use him that year. And Peterson got in foul trouble in that game. About two-thirds of the way through the game, Peterson's, we don't have a second center. And, uh, and and Illinois hung with them. You know, that was the team with Falmer and Morris and Ted Beach and, and that crew and, and, of course, Sunderledge. And uh, they came up and they had the final opportunity to tie the game and Sunderledge hit a, took a driving shot and missed it. And that was the end of the game. Have any thoughts about that? 217-356-9397. Small guards at the University of Illinois. That was, yeah. a, it was an interesting conversation. Yeah. And, I, again, I didn't know... Uh, the size and all of Don, Don Sunderledge. I had heard you speak of him, and I've seen what he's done in the record books, but I never saw mm-hmm. him play and never saw any uh, tape or film of him. Yeah, they, he was he was uh, the top guy on campus at, for as a senior because Illinois basketball then was huge. I mean, you go to Final Four two times in three years, and and uh, the shame of it was that the next year after he graduated, they had Breedar, who was another six-foot uh or he might have been a tad over six, but uh, Breedar was was an MVP of some of the. Uh, I remember uh, during the tournament he was had a tremendous tournament, and Illinois. I mean, so I'm sorry he didn't. They didn't get in the tournament. He had a tremendous year, but Indiana edged Illinois for the Big Ten championship and then won the national championship in '53. That's the level that Illinois was at that time with with those teams. Every one of those teams had a chance to win the national championship. Got a couple of phone callers here on this early edition of Illini Pellas Saturday Sports Talk. We'll begin with Mark calling uh, from Jacksonville, Florida. Hey, Mark. Hey, good morning. Uh, Lauren, would you consider 6'2", the small guard area? Well, maybe because most 6'2 guys are really (laughs) 6'1". Go ahead. uh, That's right. Well, I was going to say Quan Garrett would be in that. Oh, Absolutely. And by the way, Kwan, tell me, Steve, Kwan Garris wasn't really 6'2", was he? No. So, yes, he's in that conversation. I, I, oh, in the conversation? I'm not sure. Okay, who's the better player now? Kwan Garris or D. Brown? Who's the better That's player? close. That's really close. I think I'll go with Kwan Garris. I think I would, too, but uh, as far as what – you know, what D meant to the program. And he was flashier. Yes, he was flashier. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that, that's good. good comparison there, Kwan Garris. What well, else you got, Mark? That's all. Okay, good. Appreciate that. We we would have come across him at some point, I'm sure, as we uh, start thinking about this. But thanks for the call. Let's oh, go to um, Alan in Montrose. Good morning, Alan. Morning, guys. How about uh, Tal Brody? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think he was over six feet, but I, not much, was he? You're right. I mean, I, I think that uh, the the height of these guys. I mean, it, 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 I'd say any anything. Uh, Billy Ridley was was an awfully good small guard because he was tiny compared to these guys. But yeah, Tal Brody would would definitely rank up there. And and uh, as I and 
you know, I I think if we go back, we're we're talking about seventy to eighty years of players here, right? And Harry, Todd Brody was a heck of a shooter in the Skip Thorine days. Oh yeah, he was he was a great all around player. He was terrific, and he carried it on over to guess, Israel, where he was a national hero. Uh, I guess Don Freeman would be too tall, right? Oh yeah, Don would be six four at least, six four okay. six five, wouldn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I were talking about. That. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Alan. We appreciate it. Let's go to Steve in Princeton. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, guys. Everybody get shoveled out and uh, in where it's warm. Yep, so far. So anyway, I was playing around on my phone last night, and can tickets be that high price for that game today? They said tickets start at ninety five dollars for the Illinois Indiana game. Well, that's and better I than. That's cheap. That's cheaper than the Super Bowl. The smallest, the the the, the they're up from five thousand dollars for for a seat all the way up to thirty thousand dollars in a, for a seat. Would you pay thirty thousand dollars for a seat, Steve? Negative. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd have a hard time paying ninety five as much as I'd love to see Illinois Indiana, but ninety five and take two kids. I mean, you're shooting three or four hundred dollars just for a college game. Yeah, and the worst part of it is, you sit right at home and watch the whole game right on TV, and have have them tell you what's going on. All the replays. And yeah, yeah. And that's where and that's where I'm going to sit, and we're going to order pizza. But I couldn't believe <laughs> that college basketball tickets have gotten that expensive for a regular season game. Hey, before you, before you go away, tell me who is Illinois' number one rival in basketball. Indiana. Okay. Steve, what do you say? I'd still say Indiana, yep. I would, too. Yep. But there have been moments when, boy, we really didn't like Iowa, and there have been moments uh, with Izzo. I, with yeah. the, I think young fans would say, if, if, you know, if you'd only been around for the last 15 or 20 years of basketball, you'd maybe, you know, the Indiana hadn't been so good since Knight left, hadn't been right. consistently great. And... Uh, you know, Izzo has been a guy that you know you like to get. He he gets pretty. Uh, the Purdue ex- Purdue rivalry is pretty good, but that's that's based much more on respect, mutual respect. I, I think. think it is. Yeah, that's a really good it's, point. It's not a hatred thing, uh-uh. but it's a good rivalry. And Wisconsin, I don't know. I it's it just it it's a rivalry, certainly, but yep. it, it doesn't stack up like Indiana. It doesn't have the history of Indiana. I mean, all those years of Bob Knight. Come on. Was there anybody you wanted to beat more than Indiana? Right. Anything else, Steve? Well, I just, what would be the highest price ticket for a game at uh, State Farm Center for a game? Say Indiana was coming to State Farm. What What would be the cheapest ticket for I, that game? I can't answer that. I don't know. Uh, the, I don't know the cost of the tickets. I just don't. They uh, They vary from game to game. I do know that. Right. And this would be a game. I would assume that Indiana would be a game that. Illinois could maybe charge more. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how they work that out. Yeah, I don't either. Hey, Steve, good stuff. Thanks. Some people must have the money because it's a sellout. Yep. Appreciate the call. Good to hear from you. One of the other texters said, uh, mentioned Rennie Clemens. He was a good little guard. Mm-hmm. Not sure he's in the category of Garris or Brown, but uh, he was certainly a good player for Illinois. Let's go to uh, Jeff in Champaign. Hello, Jeff. Good morning, guys. What's up? Good morning. Hey, just this little anecdotal story here about just how uh, you're talking about different eras of basketball. 
and how we kind of forget players from the past and you know uh but anyway i was at i was at arc last night working out saw a kid there uh who was you know you know athletic looking guy and and uh he had a, a c on his on his uh, sweatshirt and i said are you from champagne he said no I said, where are you from he says canton illinois yeah. and i said well i said that's funny because i i work for a guy who who came from Canton for about 16 years. I was in Canton all the time. He said, oh, yeah, who was that? I said, Dave Downey. He said, I said, have you ever heard of him? He says, no, nah, I don't even, who? Who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, thought, you, and I thought, boy, I'll tell you what, how quickly they, you know, I mean, the kids of today, they don't, they don't know anything from earlier than 2000 probably. Maybe well, even later than that. Some of that's on the parents for not uh, yeah. not uh, filling them in on the local heroes uh, and local it, news. And you know, you know, and I, of course, I remember watching uh, Cal Brody play. Um, you know, back uh, in the black and white TV days, we we occasionally get to see an Illinois game, and wow, you know, those those guys were something else. And uh, uh, way back then, too. Uh, uh, as a teenager, as a 12, 13 year old, um, I, I'd go over to, to Huff Gym uh, and um, to, to play basketball. And uh, you know, I, I remember Ron Dunlap and, and guys just out there playing pickup games. Uh, uh, you could play with those guys. Uh, Preston Pearson used to be over there, and uh, you know, we, uh, you know, boy, how times have changed, haven't they? Yep. Good stuff, Jeff. Thank you very much for the call. Well, the big change is the you fact bet. that everybody, that basketball players play basketball the year around. When you, if you go back to a, a, a different era, that guys would play baseball, and, and we had a whole bunch of baseball players that played multiple sports mm-hmm. in in those years in the fifties and sixties, maybe up into the seventies, and then it just stopped because if you're a basketball player, you play twelve months. You do not play any other sport. Let's go to Alan calling. Uh, go ahead, Alan. Good morning, gentlemen. It's interesting that you bring up Weisinger and Indiana because as we speak, I am watching Illinois beating Indiana in the 1987 game with Weisinger and Altenberger and Kenny Norman um, and quite a interesting game. They don't win that game until... Alford misses the three-point shot at the end, <laughs> and I remember. I, he, did he shoot that over Bardo or Altenberger? Which one? Way to be a spoiler alert guy. Oh well, <laughs> I think you know who was going to win. They wouldn't. But the the thing about uh, that it's interesting. Here's an interesting thing about Bob Knight and the three-point shot. He let Alford shoot it, virtually as much as Alford wanted to shoot it. Nobody else got to shoot it. In the championship game against Syracuse, Alford made seven of ten threes, and Indiana took one of the three. One. There was a resistance among coaches, and Lou Henson's among them, to allow players to shoot the three arbitrarily. Like, Illinois has got a whole team of guys that will shoot the three. Everybody on the arc will shoot the three, right? But not in those days. They would have, like Altenberger would shoot, there would be other players on the team that Lou would discourage to shoot. I'm talking about initially. Now, that's 1987. That's the first year of the three-point shot, uh, although they had some years in the previously where they tried it. 
but this is where they had it in the tournament and everything. And uh, it's just it, it it it's changed to a point where in those days there was a lot of resistance to it, and now there's not. Along the way, the three point shot became something that all the young guys practice and uh, successfully. Uh, once you once you're successful at it, it, those points add up fast. But it's also led to an inconsistency in the game. Anything else, yeah, Alan? And, well, just as you were speaking there, they just finished up the game. And, um, um, I, uh, Lauren, you might have misspoke there, but it was Alford who was trying to take the three-point shot because Illinois had a two-point lead. Yeah, and, no, that's um, what I said. That, that, I thought Bob, it was Altenberg, but at any rate. Well, yeah, I we said Altenberger, or I, I thought that Bardo was covering, but it could have been Altenberger. Altenberger uh, guarded well, him a I lot. I think it was Bardo who blocked it. Yeah. But uh, the one last thing then to bring up, just because it was a different topic, um, the gentleman was talking about ticket prices, and I don't know if he was talking about face value t- ticket prices or what they can go for on the market. Yeah. But for the Wisconsin game, just that they're the, the face value ticket, because I had an email from the athletic department, was $50. Mm-hmm. Probably for the upper deck ones or something like that, but um, a relatively hefty amount, in my opinion, for a basketball game, but not, of course, what he was talking about. Okay. Appreciate the call. Thanks, Thank Alan. You. Let's squeeze Bye-bye. in. Uh, we'll squeeze in a call with uh, Jim in Urbana. Go ahead, Jim. Good morning. I had a comment on small guards, and he might not fit into this category, but Don Freeman, he was six two six three, but he was great. Yeah, I would I would have considered him a a wing more than a point. I mean, he wasn't a point guard for sure, but he was a right. great scorer. My goodness, I mean, he he had the best scoring average of any Illinois player ever for one year. Mm-hmm. What was it? Twenty eight a game. He didn't. Ho- yeah, he didn't hog the ball either. I mean, he just was within the flow. And but the, one of the greatest games I remember is his dad passed away that week, and we played Iowa, and he just torched him. You know, yeah. so he was really good. Okay, well, thanks. Yep, thank yeah. you, Jim. Have a great day. Appreciate it. A texter said Indiana is the top rival, but in his mind, but Iowa is a close second. Okay. For Illinois basketball, we'll take a break and talk some more basketball, Illinois, and high school hoops coming up. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk back after this. We're moving up on 835 Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Early edition. We're with you until 9 o'clock and then Fighting Illini Game Day is on the air ahead of Illinois basketball in Bloomington, Indiana against the Hoosiers today at Assembly Hall. That game tips at 11 o'clock this morning from uh, Bloomington Big Ten basketball. Five, six games on the Big Ten schedule today. A couple of more tomorrow. Let's talk some high school hoops. Joe Hendrickson is with us from the Chicago Sun-Times and the City Suburban Hoops Report. Good morning, Joe. How are you? Good morning, guys. How you doing? Good. Was there much high school basketball played in the Chicago land last night? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a busy time of the year. I mean, it's getting here the stretch run of the high school season and high-profile shootouts and uh, right in the midst of the Chicago Public League playoffs, which is a welcome return after, you know, a historic kind of event that wasn't played last year. So, And then there's a big-time game this uh, tonight where uh, Sierra Canyon, one of the top teams in the country, comes to Chicago and takes on the number one team in the state, Glenbard West, at Wintrust Arena. Um, and then <clears throat> there's another big shootout at UIC uh, simultaneously. So it's a busy, busy uh, week, high school basketball. Is Glenbard West the best team up there? I, I know you've seen just about everybody. 
well, they're 26 and 0 and have beaten everybody. And uh, <laughs> so, yes, they are the best team in, in the state. They're one of the top ranked teams in the country. And, uh, you know, they've got a difference maker. And a 6'10 kid, Braden Huff, was going to Gonzaga. Um, he's the, you know, top prospect in, in Illinois. And, and uh, he's a unique player because of his skill set, his size, what he can do. Uh, running an offense through a big man at the high school level and then having him uh, around the rim uh, is just a huge advantage and a big, big matchup nightmare for most high school basketball teams. Joe, did I hear you right? Do you think that he's the number one player in the state, or where does Rogers fit into that from Thornton or mm-hmm. any other players? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's th- you know, there's three guys that are, are head and shoulders above everybody, Ty Rogers, obviously, and then uh, Jaden Shute is going to Duke and Braden Huff. I just think Huff has the most upside. Um, it, it, it's going to take – now, if you ask me who's going to be a more productive player and immediately as a freshman, I would say Ty Rogers. Uh, he, he's just college-ready body with a mindset and a, and a tenacity that's going to get Will his way onto the floor no matter where he, where he went to play college basketball. Uh, it just so happens to be that Huff is more projection, 6'10", 6'11", big with a skill set, going to a absolute powerhouse program that, you know, it, it probably will take him a little bit of time. But two, three years down the road, Braden Huff has a chance to be pretty special with that skill set he has. Uh, you see, uh, you don't see Ty Rogers as a point guard, do you? You see him as a wing? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I see him as a – uh, modern day hybrid positionless player. He, he's more of a four than he is a point guard. You know, as a point forward. Um, you know, he, his he's got a different type of skill set in terms of. I, mean, I, I I I throw in the hustle, uh, you know, competitiveness drive as a skill set, and his is off the charts, and his will to win. That's why he's going to impact and be on the floor. He's a very good passer. Uh, you know, he's got to tighten up his hand a little bit, you know, in, in the open court. And most notably, he's got to improve his jump shot. You know, that that, that is a, you know, mid-range. He, he looks more comfortable and confident shooting it. Three-point is, is a little bit different animal for him right now. And it'll, it'll come. I mean, the shot is something that evolves and, and gets better and improves more so than a lot of these other things. And, um, you know, Perfect case in point is Io Desumu. I mean, if you would have watched Io closely over the over his high school career, and then watched his progression as a shooter in particular at Illinois, and then obviously what he's doing right now at the NBA is, I would have never forecasted it. I would have never projected it, um, you know, to be at that level that he is right now. But it just goes to show, it is the one area. I mean, you see it all the time, NBA guys that that suspect shots and. All of a sudden, they you know uh, are just knocked down, bona fide shooters, and you can go through a long list of guys from Illinois who, from Fred Van Fleet to all the way down to Quentin Richardson, to uh, all these guys became shooters in the NBA when they were not shooters, you know, throughout their high school careers. Who of, of the Chicago land area teams, in your mind, Joe Henriksen, have the best shots at uh, getting downstate, getting to the State Farm Center? Well, it starts with Lombard West. Uh, they have a really nice road to get there. Um, you know, I think Kenwood, uh, with a couple of prospects Illinois has offered in recruiting, Day Day Ames and Davius Lowry, a pair of juniors. 
they are kind of on a collision course with Whitney Young in a super sectional. Um, and then another couple teams to keep an eye on are Glenbrook South and New Trier. Uh, they're both bona fide, you know, state caliber teams that um, you know, can play with just with anybody. Uh, you know, those are the top five, six teams. And, and, and then you go down to 3A, and Simeon is clearly the best team. Simeon dropped from 4A to 3A this year. Uh, I don't expect them to get upset, and they'd be playing, you know, as a, for a 3A title in Champaign in a few weeks. Where do you think Illinois is with a lot of these underclassmen as far as Brad Underwood's uh, recruiting in the area? Well, they've already got their, you know, prime target, Merez Johnson, already locked up. Yeah, uh, saw him a few weeks ago. You know, he and his teammate James Brown are one two, two one, one A, one B. They're they're both right at the top of the class in that sophomore group. Uh, Merez is, you know, he is just a hard nosed six eight athletic forward who's again his skill set is improving, making strides. He, he's going to have to you know polish that up, uh, but he's just got the physical attributes that scream high major, and uh, you know, and a will to 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 get after on a regular basis and to compete, and uh, which you know, college coaches are those are hard to find. I mean, it sounds like it's not that hard, but trying to find guys that are ready made, ready to compete mentally and, and physically, uh, and that's why so many college coaches are, are are choosing to go the portal route and transfer route because those guys are ready made. They're older, they're more mature, they're physically been through the grind of a college basketball season and. Uh, they've, they've swayed away from, you know, focusing solely on high school kids. And, but, um, you know, I, you know, I think they're right there with, you know, Darren Ames. Uh, I know that high priority, um, he's a scoring kind of a scoring combo, little smaller combo guard at Kenwood, uh, who I like a lot. He's been injured and in and out of the lineup for the past month or so. Uh, he's back now playing. Um, you know, I, it, it, it's a I, I keep waiting for this next group. When is it going to be uh, that is head and shoulders above previous classes? And it's, we're still not there yet. And part of that is, you know, leaving the state. And if you look at the class of 2023, if I were to rank players, the top three prospects all left the state. If you add those to the mix in 2023 and those three, I'm talking about Jeremy Fears, who left Joliet to go La Lamira and is head to Michigan State. You got J.J. Taylor, who who left, and, and he actually is playing in Chicago with his prep school tonight. Uh, he was the number one prospect. And Matas Bazilis, who went out east to a Brewster Academy, he was at Hinsdale. So those are your three best prospects in the entire class who left. If you bring all three of those back with the likes of Asa Thomas at Lake Forest and Cam Christie and Darren Ames at Kenwood, and now you've got a pretty darn good group, but it just didn't materialize that way because of uh, those exits of those, of those top-ranked players. You mentioned the transfer portal. How is that affecting high school recruiting? Is it in an adverse way? Is it is it hurting the high school kids? Oh, it's crushing them. Uh, you know, it's going to be felt, and we're going to see more and more transfers because that 2021 group, that class of 2021 uh, that was overlooked and not evaluated and a lot of flyers were taken on some high school kids, they're all going to be transferring because they either found bad fits or they weren't good enough for where they went. Or uh, So it's just going to be a surplus of more transfers. It's going to have to weed itself out. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's uh, I've got a number of college coaches who are just reluctant to 
you know, to go on a high school kid, uh, you know, they'll take the obvious one, but a lot of times it's last resort and they want to keep some space open in the spring because there's going to be a flood of these, you know, a thousand plus names uh, that are going to be in the transfer portal and they want to have scholarships available for those kids. Well, Joe, we appreciate your time. It's uh, certainly an interesting time from your point of view to uh, get around and see all these games. And when you're in Champaign, maybe we'll we'll catch up with you down here. Yep. Thanks for having me, guys. Joe, I just wanted to ask, do you look forward to, to covering the tournament down here? or how, how different will it be from Peoria? Oh, I mean, it's a breath of fresh air, I think, for high school basketball. Um, I, you know, it's the, the, form, the, the return to Champaign excites me. The format of the new 1A, 2A, 3A, 4A altogether does not excite me. Uh, so it's a balance between the two. I, you know, I just have a hard time with the scheduling, and, and these are the biggest games of the year, and you've got the state semifinals playing at like 10 a.m. and 11, 11 a.m., and then consolation games on Friday night. It's just yeah, that's really it's just bad. Backwards. Mm-hmm. It's just awful. No, uh, no, way, night, no way to do it in three Friday days, night, though, is there? Well, I, you know, I can map it all out for you, and, and I mean, they're, they could play the consolation games at one A, two A on on, uh, on that first night, and I mean, that's a whole other topic. Yeah, it could yeah. be done. I mean, you, you, nobody cares about the consolation games, uh, nope. and, and, and including half the time of the teams that are playing in them. So, to have Friday night as the the prime night of high school sports, and right. people can watch it on TV and. Come on, it's it's just it's ludicrous that we're playing consolation games on the biggest night of high school basketball Friday night. Hey, but Joe. Otherwise, Champagne, great, great, great. Uh, that's going to be awesome. Good stuff, Thanks, Joe. We appreciate your time, Joe. Thank you. All right, thank you, guys. You bet. That's Joe Hendrickson from the City Suburban Hoops Report, Chicago Sun Times. We welcome into the program now from the state of Indiana, Jeff Rabjohns, who covers the Indiana Hoosiers. For pigs.com of the uh, 24-7 Sports Network. Good morning, Jeff. How you doing? Good morning, guys. How are we doing? Good. Hey, uh, sorry, slightly out of breath. I actually just got done cleaning off the car. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a... That's like the time of year. That's a big project. You're heading to Bloomington for that ball game today. How do you size that one up? Indiana has played well at home, haven't they? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's a really interesting matchup from a whole bunch of different angles. Uh, you know, first of all, you have star power. You know, you got two guys on the uh, you know the late season watch list for national player of the year with Kofi Coburn from Illinois and Trace Jackson Davis from Indiana. You know, they they played against each other three times, <clears throat> and it's interesting if you look at the three matchups. The numbers are pretty similar, and both guys have played exactly 102 minutes against each other in their in their three meetings. So you got some star power. Uh, Indiana's defense has been what they've been hanging their hat on, especially their ability to try to slow down three-point shooters. I think that's probably been the biggest improvement for them year over year to this point in time. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis, obviously, is their key cog. Race Thompson, 18 points each of his last two games. He's really gotten better. You know, he's made five of his last six from three. So he's sort of become a much different guy as far as just where on the court are you a threat to score from. And then Xavier Johnson, I think Indiana's point guard has figured out how to play the way Mike Woodson wants him to play and when it's okay to sort of step out of that box 
and really be aggressive attacking downhill. I think those are the things that kind of stand out for Indiana. You know, for Illinois, Kofi Coburn, that 37-point, 12-point game uh, against Wisconsin was tremendous. I watched it live, DVR'd it, got up the next day and went, man, was that really as good as I thought it was? We're going to watch that one again. And, uh, yeah, I was ridiculously impressive. And, and I give – I think Brad Underwood deserves more credit than he gets because, you know, you didn't have Coburn there at the beginning of the year, that silly little, you know, NIL deal that's now totally fine. That was ridiculous. You know, Corbello's out for a while. You're unsure when you're going to get him back. you got a couple transfers you're trying to work in. Um, but I think, I think they've done a terrific job because now you've got – I think they have two elite perimeter defenders out there. And I think they've got multiple guys who can make threes and one of the absolute best big men in the country. I think Illinois has got a terrific basketball team. I was going to ask you about Miller Kopp. You have several transfers at Indiana, and he came from Northwestern. What has been his impact with the team this year? Yeah, I mean, they brought him in primarily to to be a three-point shooter. They kind of looked at what they had coming back. They looked at how they wanted to play Trace Jackson Davis. And one of their big things was put multiple three-point shooters on the floor, mm. one on the side, so you can space things for, to create mainly, not just to get points from three, but to make the other team defend both sides of the arc so you can create more space for Trace to operate. Mm-hmm. So that, that was the on bringing in Miller Cop. He's had some good games here and there. Um, I don't think his production's been quite what's expected. You know, he's he's been – you know, under under 10 points, you know, in single digits for most of his past 10, 12 games or so. So he, he certainly struggled a little bit as of late. Do you see uh, Jackson Davis as a pro uh, first-rounder, and would you say that he is going after this year? He's actually just a, a – a, a, well, actually, he's just a sophomore this year if you don't count last the one year for the pandemic. Uh, he's, he's listed as a sophomore. Yeah, you know, obviously this is third year playing, but if you go by the the COVID, you know, year designation, he's a sophomore. But it is his third year playing. Um, you know, he turns 22 here in February. If you get much later than 22 and you start the pro component of your career, that gets a little dicey. So I think he's got to go. Um, and that may mean starting in the G League, you know, right away. Um, not a lot. Not a lot of guys outside of the, the lottery picks, you know, start directly in the NBA anymore. And even, even there are even some lottery picks who get some G League time um, because they're just not ready yet. But they need to learn the pro game. So I think for Trace Jackson Davis, I think the business side of it makes sense um, to go pro. In fact, I think it's it's really dicey to return to college when you're older than 22 and you have a chance to play in the NBA. I just think it gets really, really dicey to, to make it. Um, and again, you know, with the G league and everything, you know, that's not scary to players anymore. They realize there are hundreds of guys making millions of dollars in the NBA who played in the G league. So I think a lot more guys are okay with that as a starting point. How do you see Indiana trying to defend Illinois? What's the number one thing they're going to try to take away and, yeah, obviously it starts with Kofi, but there's some other um, other weapons there as well. How do you see the, them defending? Yeah, I think uh, the way Indiana has approached teams that that have you know a phenomenal big man, which really the only person that, that's close is Zach Eady up at Purdue. Um, Indiana's approach was: do you do the best you can on the big man, but don't double so much you let guys get off from three. And I think that's probably going to be Mike Woodson's approach. 
Uh, Kofi Coburn can beat you by himself. There's no question he is capable. He, he just did it to Wisconsin, a top 15 team in the country. He can beat you by himself. But I think uh, what a lot of coaches look at is what are the percentage chances one guy beats us? Small, even though it can happen. Higher percentage chance, if you let two or three guys get off from three, those two or three guys are going to beat us, um, whoever the opponent is. You know, So I think that's, I think that's probably how they're going to start. Do the best you can on Kofi. Um, dig some, double some. What I would actually do, uh, I was talking to a couple NBA scouts about Trace and, uh, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> Trace and Kofi um, yesterday, and uh, one of them brought this up, and I think this is a pretty good idea. I would dig with a guard on Kofi Coburn's first dribble, make him pick up that dribble, and then, and if he's already taken one dribble, then picks it up. You've done two things. You've made him stationary, and as a defense, you've decided which foot is his pivot foot. You're not letting him make that decision. So that's one thing I would do. I don't know if Mike Woodson is going to lean that way or not, but that's something I would do if I was going up against Kofi Coburn with how unbelievably powerful he can be if you let him dribble it two or three times in the paint. Uh, Jeff, how do you uh, view uh, Mike Woodson's uh, coaching uh, as he succeeds Archie Miller? Yeah, I think it's been pretty good. He's you know, offensively, he's been able to get improvement from players. Um, you know, he's, I think the two guys who have improved the most offensively are Xavier Johnson at point and, and Race Thompson at the four. Uh, I do think Jordan Geronimo, who's their primary forward off the bench, has really improved. You know, he's had a couple games in double figures, and obviously he's unbelievably explosive off the floor. In, in a recent game, he blocked a dunk attempt at the rim and then later uh, went out and blocked a three-point attempt from the corner. I can't remember the last time I saw the same player block a dunk and a three in the same college basketball <laughs> game. He's got he's got true freak athleticism. Um, but but Woodson has has kind of like improved his ability, improved his scoring circles. I think Trace Jackson Davis has been IU's most improved defensive player. You know Woodson actually allowed him to sort of like lead his man at times and go block shots because he's such a pogo stick off the floor. And Woodson's thinking was, oh, why in the world, if you have a pogo stick, do you anchor him to the floor? That makes no sense. Um, I, I, I completely agree with that, by the way. Um, and I think the other thing we've seen from Woodson is there's been some development um, and progress uh, from some NBA ideas that just maybe don't work in college. Um, like, like in the Iowa game, Indiana's on a 7-0 run. He feels like at a certain point in time, guys need rest. He pulls all five of his starters. And it's like, what in the world? Indiana's on a 7-0 run, and he just benches his starters? How, what is this? And Iowa right away goes on a 12-0 run, takes control of the game. Indiana loses. And since then, I, I don't believe Woodson has benched all of his starters at the same time because kind of using that full hockey line change, that happens sometimes in the NBA. Those are 48-minute games. You've got 82 games. You've got more than 90 games if you count preseason in a playoff run. You've got guys – 30 years of age and older. So sometimes you have to give them extended rests. Um, but you don't really have to in college. It's just a whole different mechanism. There have been little things like that that you see Woodson going, okay, this works in the NBA, doesn't work in college, let's adjust. Is Finnessy hurt? Is he going to play today? No, he's not playing today. He's uh, he's going to be out uh, for, for a little bit. Um, he's, he's got a foot, foot issue. Um, the plantar fascia in there and the foot is the issue. It's, it's not plantar fasciitis. 
<clears throat> that a lot of people get, which is sort of like wear and tear. It's something different. But he's going to be out for a little while. But, no, he's not playing today. Okay, Jeff, we appreciate your time. Enjoy the ball game. Thanks, Jeff. All right, man. Take care. Lauren, take care of yourself, my friend. All right. That's Jeff Rabjohns from Indiana. Covers the Hoosiers for Pigs.com. Part of the 24-7 sports network over there. Been covering Indiana sports for quite some time. A couple of uh, text questions that have come in. Does Plummer have another year? No. He does not. He was a grad transfer. And we had something else uh, about the rivalry. Illinois might say Indiana is a rival, but Indiana would say Purdue. Yeah, I think that's right. Hard to be true rivals when the feeling's not. But you could have more than one rival. Yeah. Um, but Illinois, I, yeah, I, Illinois, I, I don't know. I, I think that Indiana would feel stronger about Purdue than they would Illinois. Sure. But, but Illinois would be right there 1A, I think. I think that would be right, and I think in the uh, reverse side, Purdue would be 1A for Illinois. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Purdue and Iowa both be yeah. 1A. <laughs> well, well, and it's good that you've got those borderline, or, you know, border yeah. wars going in, in many directions. That's kind of fun. So we got a couple of minutes left here, and uh, is your gut telling you anything different than it did when we started? Well, I thought that Illinois uh, defense settled in against uh, Wisconsin extremely well after the first fourth of the game. I mean, before halftime, it started to show signs. And then second half, the defense just took Davidson right out of the game, took Wall right out of the game. Neither one was a, a factor in the second half. I don't know if Illinois, I don't know how Illinois is going to play it. Uh, I just know they got to keep Kofi in the ball game. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis is, is going to get his uh, 18 or 20, and that's okay, but we can't let anybody else go off. That, that's that's a key to that because some guys like uh, like like David, you just can't stop. We need to wrap things up. Fighting a lot on game day is up next. Stay with us right here on News Talk 1400 DWS.